All our fears are washed away. They're washed away. 
What a great day it is. There's parts of your job that you hate. There's parts of your job you like. Right, folks? Is everybody on the same page with that? If you got a job and you love everything, just wait around. Something's going to come along that you're not going to like so much. Somewhere down the line. But I get to do something I love today. All right? I get to dedicate a precious little baby named Mila James. I'm excited about that. So, Mila... And, and if y'all will come on up here, I'm going to let y'all sit here if you don't mind. And I won't keep y'all up here too long. And, um, and then we'll come down front to pray this morning. Isn't that a precious baby? Look at the outfit. Oh, my. Mila. I'll tell you, we're going to have a, this is a good crowd today. We're gonna, I'm a dedicate. Any other babies need dedicated next week? Any older adults need dedicated? Anything. Just I'm grabbing at straws here. I'm excited. So the other week I got to hold this baby and um, I, I know some of y'all tried to get her from me. I would not let go of her because when I take a child like this, I return it back to the parents, right? I ain't giving it to nobody. Give it to the parents. And so I got to hold this precious thing and I'm going to tell you something. Man, eat your heart out. That's what I was telling people. And um, I like holding babies because when they start crying now, you know, as I have two kids myself, and as a parent, um, mine have gotten out of the age. They still whine, all right? They still whine. But not quite like that in the middle of the night. And so I get to enjoy holding a baby and then giving it back to their parents. It's a beautiful thing. So thank you, Miss Mila, for that. Today I want to read a scripture. And baby dedication to me is such a special time today because of what we're doing and I think that one of the best scriptures that I can read today is a young boy by the name of Samuel. I think it's the most beautiful dedication in all the Bible. And the way that it happens. I'm going to put it on the screen for you guys so you can be a part of this. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 21. The Bible says the next year Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah, this is the mother, but Hannah did not go. She told her husband, just wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home, nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. I didn't ask them to do that this morning. We're past those days. 
After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, or the priest. Sir, do you remember me? I love this verse. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. And if you'll recall the story real quick, when she's praying to God there in the temple at the time, she can't have a baby, right? She, she can't have a baby. She's, she's fruitless. Her, her womb, there's no way scientifically that this can happen. Biologically, it's impossible. She has not been able to. She's tried to. She has wanted this baby. And so she's in a corner praying, asking God to give her this precious heritage from the Lord, this precious gift of God. And while she's praying in the corner, Eli is here, so he, he hears her asking God for this. And so she asks him, do you remember who I am? It was several years ago. I asked the Lord to give me this boy or this baby, and he has granted my request. Verse 28 is what baby dedication is all about. Now I am giving him, in this case her, to the Lord. And she will belong to the Lord her whole life. And they worship the Lord there. Today, what we are going to do, we are going to pray here in just a moment. And what we are going to ask God to do is to take this little baby, Mila Jane. And we are going to ask God to make something beautiful and special. She's already beautiful. But I'm talking about internally. That the Spirit of God, even from a babe, would rest on her life. That everywhere she goes is blessed. Everything she touches is blessed. Whatever career she has in the future, it is blessed. The favor of God all around. And so today, Austin and Lauren have made a proper move, a biblical move, to bring her forward. And to give her back to God. She's a blessing to you. And now in turn, you've decided to give her back to God. And say, God, take her. She's yours. And so this is such a special occasion today. So what I'm going to ask you to do. And we're going to be giving you a baby dedication that certifies Mila Jane Moore. Gap Hill Church of God on the 28th day of March. And uh, your names are on it. And if one day she asks you who that is, you can't read that writing. But you remember me, all right? like a little doctor's signature. So we're going to be giving them that. And we're also going to be given a little Bible. And I'm excited about that. It's a New Testament Bible. And this is something that she can keep for the rest of her life. As a matter of fact, I was in the attic the other day and found my little Bible that my mother got me. It was a little blue Bible. It's really special. And so, I want to show you this right here. You guys can't really, you can't see it very good there. But it's a New Testament with Psalms, a little sheet there, and also with her name so this is something special my minutes that we can give you and I hope that this will guide her path through the years alright guys let's step forward here and we're going to have a time of prayer and what I'm going to do if the um, if the grandparents if, if anybody wants to come forward for this you're more than welcome to do so and just gather around the front here and, um, and we can get some pictures as well and I'm going to steal the baby from you here in just a moment but let's wait because sometimes when you do it too quickly they'll scream I can't tell you the babies I've had to pray over as they screamed while we pray. They were feeling it. All right, guys, I'm just going to let y'all, you can, you can get on either side here. Let's kind of try to spread, try to spread it. Yes, ma'am. Close as we can here. She's going to try to 
Expand it out and get everybody. Good service today. God bless y'all. Oh man. And that cross on the head is super. Feathers are flying everywhere. You were born to fly, young lady. All right. It was a great idea. Let us pray. Father, today we thank you for Miss Mila Jane. And I right now, Father, we dedicate her to you. That means at this moment we declare blessings over her. We declare that her life will prosper. That everything she touches, everything she does that your anointing would be on her life. Father, the plans that you have for her, my God, even in the womb before she was born, you already had a plan. You already saw it. These plans are not evil. These plans are not disastrous. But according to your word, these plans are to prosper and to bless. And so today, Father, in Jesus' name, we speak this word over her. We speak this word over Lauren and Austin and this family today that they will help to rear her up in the ammunition and the fear of the Lord. For this, we will give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I think the light turned her face. It's not me. I'm not the reason she's crying, all right? Oh, man. Look at there. Look, I'm a, I'm a feather guy now, too. I'll get those. Just on. Let's give them a hand clap today. God bless you guys. this back there you go God bless you guys alright let's stand back up together if you'd like Lord we lift you in this place oh God thank you for allowing me to dedicate to you oh God stir a passion in us oh Lord stir a in my heart, God, let it overflow, let it overflow, stir a passion in my heart, God, let it overflow, let it overflow, Stir a passion in my 
above all for you are holy and just you are righteous and mighty oh god oh god we lift you we magnify you take a moment church worship the lord together he is awesome he is mighty there is none like our god worthy of all praise worthy of all honor holy and just and righteous perfect we lift you our healer our source of all strength we magnify you Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stir a passion in me, O oh God. Stir a passion in my heart, God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Stir
continue to worship. Amen. Thank you, guys. Got a couple announcements before we get into it. There is going to be a sign-up sheet for volunteers to make cakes. Do I have any ladies or men that make good cakes in this place? Oh, my gosh. This was a failure from the start. All right, I know that's a lie. I've ate at some of y'all's gatherings. All right, what I need you to do when you get out, when you walk through the door there, turn to your right where the pictures are of the staff. There's a hanging um, little thing there that's going to have in it a sign-up sheet. So if you would do that, it would help us greatly. Just put your name, your number, and also the cake that you'll be making. And what we're going to do, it's a, a Gap City Kids ministry fundraiser uh, for the children's ministry. And what we're going to do, we're going to give out tickets, pretty much a dollar a ticket. And, um, and then we're going to raise money that way. So I'll explain it more, and each week we'll announce what cake or how many cakes. We may have to do two. It depends on how many people participate. But each week we'll wrap off that ticket. I haven't told my mother-in-law yet, but she's going to be making some really, really good cakes. And I'm going to talk them up because I've ate them, and I know how good they are, all right? But all the proceeds are going to go to our children's ministry. So I wanted you to know about that. Also, next week is Easter. Invite, invite, invite. I will also be handing out a little gift for you guys so you do not want to miss next week. Something that we were going to give out at our staff and appreciation day. But due to COVID and some things that changed, we weren't able to do so. So I'm going to hand them out this Sunday at Easter Sunday morning. So please be here for that. Do you love Jesus today? Are you ready for the word? May God open our ears, may he anoint my mouth, that the word of God may come to life for us today, and that we may leave here touched by the power of an almighty God. I want to preach a topic entitled, He Begged for the Body. He Begged for the Body. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 57 through 61. And when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus Christ. This man went to Pilate. And he asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate issued an order to release him. Joseph took the body. He wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. And he placed it in a new tomb. Which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance. And he left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb. And they were just watching when I think about the story of the cross of Jesus Christ, we cannot have salvation today, folks, without the cross. The cross is such a powerful message. It is the cross that changed my life. It is the work that God did on the cross that changed my life. It provides to us so many powerful messages. And from the cross, it speaks to the church. And one of the most unique things that I can find in the Bible regarding the church is in this text that tells us that this guy named Joseph is begging for the body. The text is about a man that was literally concerned for the Lord's body. Scripture is complete in its analogy of the church and it tells us that we the church are called what? The body of Christ. Somebody needs to be begging for the body. Somebody needs to be praying for the body. Somebody needs to be concerned for the body of Christ, even in 2021. And I understand that in our text we have Joseph here, but I want to liken it to the body of Christ who is in us today. Paul wrote to us several different things, and he says this, and I'll quote him for you. In Ephesians, he said, For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His blood. 
In Colossians, he said, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. In 1 Corinthians 12, he said, now you are the body of Christ and members individually, speaking of the church. He said, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In 1 Corinthians, he said, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Do you not know that your body is a body and a temple, a sanctuary, a house for the Holy Spirit? As God is manifested in the flesh, it was over 2,000 years ago, we hear it every Easter or the week before Easter and we talk about it and we put this emphasis on it but we should not only do this at Easter time we should not only do it at Palm Sundays we ought to remember and recall our Lord's on the cross a matter of fact that is why the other week we had a time that we shared communion because we drank of the wine and we, and we ate the bread and what it is representative that we remember what Christ did for us on the cross over 2,000 years ago So he is now manifested in the earth. But today his manifestation is not in the flesh. His manifestation is not walking around like he did before. But the manifestation of Christ is through whom? It is through the body. It is through the church. What a responsibility that God has placed on our shoulders, ladies and gentlemen. For us to claim to be Christians, for us to claim to be born again, for us to claim that Jesus means everything to us. What a responsibility has been placed on our shoulders. Because we, the church, we the body, we are the hope for the world. Let me tell you, I've said it many times, I'll say it, Washington is not the hope for the world. Whoever our president and the current administration is, or past administrations, they are not the hope for the world. The hope for the world is the church of Jesus Christ. It is the body of Christ that is the hope of the world. What a responsibility has been placed on our shoulders. How can we sit so casually by? How can we be so much mediocrity and be satisfied with mediocrity? How can we be so lethargic in a time that God is saying it is imperative that we look at where we are and we understand that we are the manifestation of Jesus Christ. We are His body. Somebody needs to be concerned for the body. So He looks through our eyes. He reaches through our hands. It is so important. I was thinking of this the other day. It is so important that we see the world through Jesus' eyes. If we could only start seeing people the way that Jesus sees people, it would change the way we see everybody. It would change the way we think. It would change the way we handle ourselves or the way we conduct ourselves if we could just see them as Jesus sees them. Because when we see shame and guilt and we see people that are unworthy and we see people that are downcast or we see people that are of a lower lifestyle than we are, we get in this tendency sometimes that they're not good enough for our church. They're they're not good enough for us to talk to. We, We can't hang around that crowd. We can't have anything to do with them Oh, God, help us, because when we see people like that, I'm glad that our loving Savior doesn't see people like that, because the reason He doesn't see them that way is because of His body that was broken on a cross, and He came so that that person, so that them could be saved. God, help us to be the church that Jesus has called us 
to be. Not only looking out for ourselves and getting in our little bubble like we do sometimes and, and getting in our own mindset and it's all about me, me mentality. But it is time for us to think about other people. For true religion is this, to take care of the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. That is why this past year we started the widow's ministry. We were able to do some work just the other week to help a widow in our church that, that desperately needed something. We were able to do that. And so we praise God for that today. This is true religion. This is what the body of Christ is supposed to to look like. And when the body of Christ doesn't look like this, then we are not representing Jesus Christ well. We are his body. We are like Joseph of Arimathea. That's someone in our church, someone in this congregation today needs to be concerned about it. Joseph was part of the political system of his day. He was in the system However, he was not of the system. I'm going to say it again. He was in the system, but he was not of the system. A Christian can be in politics. As a matter of fact, I thank God when, when Christians, good people, stand up that believe in Jesus Christ and aren't ashamed to go to Washington and, and hold true, to stick to their guns and hold to what they believe. And to their morals and to their values, even in a cancel culture. And they stand up. It's as if they're getting spit on and they're mocked. And, and man, Twitter feeds go wild talking about these people that are conservative, that love Jesus Christ. And they'll just call it like it is. So I appreciate that. A Christian should be in areas of influence of society. It is entirely possible for a child of God that they can be in the system without the system getting inside of them. See, that's what we've got to be careful of. And that's exactly what God did through Joseph, the disciple who is concerned enough to beg and plead for the body of Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you several things really quick this morning, not holding you too long, that I like about Joseph of Arimathea. Number one, I like that he understood the urgency of the hour in which he was in. He went to Pilate in the evening after Jesus has been crucified. The Passover is about to begin. It is necessary, it is imperative that Jesus is body be taken off the cross before nightfall, before sundown, because he would be cursed if his body were there after sundown. It is Jewish custom. So, so he understands that if, if the, the Jewish ceremonial law says that it is a desecration to leave this body on the cross once sun has went down. So he goes, time was running out, and he went to him and said, it is so urgent. I'm begging you, let me get the body off the cross. He understands the hour in which he lives. Can I say to the church of Jesus Christ today that God is still looking for someone today that will understand the urgency of the hour that we are living in right now. I'm afraid so often that we, we stand at the brink of the coming of Jesus Christ, folks. We are standing on the brink of Jesus Christ splitting those eastern skies and coming back on a white horse with a vesture dipped in blood reading King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We are on the brink of those that pierced Him bowing down and beginning to worship Him and recognizing that He truly was and is the Son of God. And I know there's some of you in here that you say, well... They've been saying that for years. We've talked about the coming of the Lord. I've heard it ever since I was a kid. And I know I understand what you're saying because I've been in the same boat. They've said it for years. But, but it seems different now. 
the atmosphere is changing. The one world government that they've been talking about, it's all working itself out, folks. You just look at COVID and, and what went on with COVID. And not to be political here, but, but government control. I think sometimes that even in government and, and in politics, so often they want to see how far they can put the envelope to control people. That is communism. That's socialism. And many of them, they don't care. They want to see how far they can push the envelope. This type of stuff, ladies and gentlemen, pandemics such as this, they don't happen by accident. And, and, and this is not just a South Carolina issue. This is not just an American issue. This is a universal issue. Because in order for the Lord to come back, it's not just going to be happening in South Carolina in our little state. We're just a piece of the puzzle. This thing is going to be global because the coming of the Lord is not for a state or a nation. It is for all nations. And so we are being set up right now for somebody to take control. We're being set up. This is just a, a scratch on the surface of where we're going to where government controls us. Tells us what to do. When we're going to do it. See if we'll be the puppet on the string and do exactly as they ask us to do. And then when they think they have control, they try to get just a little more just to see how far they can take it. This is all part of the plan, folks, because there's coming a day when we're going to need somebody to take control. And his name is going to be called the Antichrist. And he is going to step on the political scene of the world and he's going to say, I have the answer and I can get it all worked out if y'all would just let me do it. And all of a sudden, according to Revelation, he's going to step in the power. That one world government is on the brink, ladies and gentlemen. We are right on the precipice, I'm telling you, of things changing in this world. It's already happening. And this is just the beginning. So I say to somebody, we need to beg God right now in this body that is representative of the body of Christ. It is time for us to understand the urgency of the hour that we live in. It is not time for us to be half committed. It is not time for us to be lukewarm. It is not time for us to be cold and indifferent. It is not time for us to slack off and say, man, we're just going to cruise right into heaven. If the church has ever been the body of Christ, now is the time that we better be the body of Christ. We, we better get back to praying and seeking God and fasting and asking God to change our churches, change our government, move. These are critical times. and We must understand that Jesus is coming soon. See, Jesus tells us, I must do the works of Him that sent me while it is day. For night comes when no one can work. So what God is trying to tell us in John 9, 4 is if we are going to make a difference... As the body of Christ, we better make a difference now. Because night's coming when we're not going to be. Once he comes back, folks, there's no more hope. I mean, we've got opportunity, ample opportunity. There's somebody here today, you don't know Jesus. This is a great service for you to give your life to Christ right here today. Because we don't even know if we're going to be here tomorrow. Come on, somebody. Life's like a vapor. It's here one day, it's gone the next. We've got to understand. If we're making a difference, let's do it now. In Matthew 24, he gives a promise. But of the day and the hour knows no man, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. Joseph understands the urgency of the hour. Number two, he added holiness to the body. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. I love this. This clean, holy, white 
spotless cloth. This same Jesus had been beaten. He had been thrown on the ground. He was beaten within an inch of his life. They have taken a cat of nine tails and they have literally beaten him until he can hardly stand. They have beaten him. Change that for me to 70, please. They have beaten him until he cannot stand. He's been spit upon by filthy men. They have put crown of thorns on his head. And the poison is running through his veins. They have treated him as if he is some convict. As if he is some hardcore criminal. He is bleeding. He is battered. He is lifted on a cross. But now that he has died, Joseph's attitude was one of cleanliness. And he brings something clean to the picture. He brings a clean linen cloth. And he washes our Lord off. He washes the blood away. And he begins to wrap him in the cleanliness and holiness that our God deserves to be wrapped in. Because he is holiness. But, but God desires a holy people. So we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. So, so the, the world that we have gotten in a culture. Can I just go ahead and say it while I'm here? We have gotten in a culture... That we have trained people, do what you want, and you are going to cruise right into heaven. Do whatever you want, and God is going to love you right through heaven's gates. We have gotten on this hippie train of peace and love, and oh man, it's happiness, and and we've gotten on this love train, if I can call it that. Oh, God's such a God of love. I heard somebody not, uh, the other day talking about how that God was a God of love and how that God would not send anyone to hell. And I'm sitting there thinking, my God, we've got a choice that we've got to make. Can you put some personal responsibility on me as an individual? Can you put some personal responsibility on everyone in this house today to understand we have to make a conscious choice that we are going to clean up? our life, that we're going to change that we're going to get out of the hell holes that we've been living in because God has called us to be the righteousness through Jesus Christ in us, I want us to understand that the church of Jesus Christ much like the body of Christ was, we have been drugged through the mud long enough what, what's it? our garments that were once clean now they're tattered and they're broken and there's mud, and there's filth, and there's dirtiness. We've had enough fornicating in the church. Don't everybody shout at once, my God, help me today. We've had enough adulterous leaders leading the church. Oh, yes. We've had enough priests and preachers that have been molesters in the church long enough. The body of Christ has been battered. What does the body of Christ need? We need a clean linen cloth to wrap us up again. We need to become the holy people that God has called us to be. So that when the world looks at us, they don't just say, oh, look how dirty they are. But they're going to say, look at that church. That's a clean church. That's a spotless church. Pursue peace and holiness with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. David said, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Any idol in this world. Nor sworn deceitfully. 
His favor is in the Lord. My God. And so I want us to understand that Jesus, let's go to Ephesians 5. Jesus is coming back for a spotless church. Are you ready for this? For husbands, oh yeah, here we go. Let me get the, let me get the husbands while I'm here. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. That means, husband, if you're not willing to jump in front of your wife and take the bullet, you're a horrible husband. Is that plain enough today? You're not being the husband that God has called you to be. Because he compares it to the church. And he says, I love the church so much that I died so the church could live. And so he gives it to us husbands today and says, you better be that way for your wife. To make her clean, holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her, the church, to himself, Jesus, as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. He died so that I could be clean in his holiness. Oh, if you thank God for that, just say amen today. All right, let's go to the third point. Joseph put the body in a position for revival. I said Joseph of Arimathea put the body in a position for revival. Everything an individual does in the church should always lend itself to a revival atmosphere. What do you mean by that? That means everything that I do should edify the body. Are you ready? Not just the body of Christ, but this body. I'm talking our body, the church. So everything I say, I must edify the body. Everything I do, I must edify the body. What does the word edify mean? It means to lift up, all right? It means to take them to a higher place. Look at Hosea 6. This is what he says here. See, I'm telling you, we've got too many people that have torn down the body of Christ. It is time for us to do what we're supposed to do, and that's edify the body of Christ. Now, I'm a pastor today. And, and I guess I see things a little different sometimes than maybe the average church member. I haven't been a church member in so many years, folks. I can't even remember what it's like to sit in the pews, all right? I can't remember. So sometimes I have problems relating to church members because I haven't been one in so long, right? Y'all understand, I have just leadership mentality in my mind. I'm always on, on what do we do next? Preacher, preacher, preacher mode. And so sometimes I forget it. But I want to tell you something. What I'm seeing in today's atmosphere is I see members that go around because I've had them come to me as a preacher and they say, we're leaving the church down the road. Why are you leaving the church down the road? Because we don't like what the preacher's doing. Come on, somebody. And then they tend to want to complain about what the preacher's doing. But don't you dare ask them about what they did. Because what you figure out is what happened is that edification, it was gone. There's nobody edifying anybody. And when that edification goes down, all of a sudden they start running that mouth. And they start tearing down one another. It's not just about leaders. I've been the pastor of churches that, that have had this member and that member that decided they were going to get in a little dispute. And the thing that's so sad about the body of Christ is some of the disputes that we get in are some of the dumbest things on the whole planet. I mean, it is dumb. 
My wife was, we were helping with one of our churches one time, moved a little prayer box from the position it was in and about split the church over a prayer box. You've got to be kidding me. This is the day and age that we live in. It has only gotten worse because we don't, we don't focus on edification anymore. It's about me, 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 me. How can I get ahead? What can I do? Or can I get ahead? If he gets a new car, let me get a better car than he's got. Or, or if somebody brags on him, I'm a little jealous because they should have patted me on the back today. Where's the edification? Where's the edification? Instead of saying, pat me on the back, today I'm going to pat you on the back. Instead of you always having to encourage me, today I'm going to encourage you. Instead of you having to pick up a phone and call me and tell me something, today I'm going to be the one to pick up the phone and call you. This is what edification is about. He says, come now, let us return to the Lord. For He is torn, but He will heal us. He is stricken, but He will bind us up after two days he will revive us on the third day. I love Easter Sunday. That's next week. He will raise us up that we may live in His sight. I want somebody to understand today. In another version, it said that we may live in His presence. Now, Miss Phyllis, can I say it this way? Joseph of Arimathea anticipated the third day. He wanted to get him in the tomb. But the reason he did is because he had this anticipation. He had this burning desire within him that says this guy said on the third day. My God, that is why he was determined to get the body off the cross and in a place that it could be positioned for revival. He gets it to a place that it can be positioned where the power and the presence and the Spirit of God can come upon it. My God, God didn't plan to raise Jesus from the cross. He planned to raise him from the tomb. And that is exactly why Joseph had to position the body at just the right place, right time, in order for the Spirit of God to move on it. Jesus had already said, you destroyed this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up again. They thought he was talking about their temple. But he was not talking about their temple. He was talking about the fact that the resurrection of the Lord was going, his temple, his body, was going to be raised again on the third day. Preaching, teaching, singing must be about positioning the church for revival. Everything we do. Everything we say. Every agenda we set. We must have the body of Christ position. To where revival can move in the body. At any given time. When the spirit gets ready to move on the body. There's one thing that, that, I, that I feel like that we have failed to do so often as preachers. I think so often we, we fail in our quest to grow our churches, in our quest to get people to write a check and pay their tithe, we run into this dilemma in the body of Christ to where as pastors we think, well, we, we better leave that alone because if we talk about that, I'm going to make somebody upset. If, if, if we preach about that, it's going to make somebody upset. And so, so many churches and bodies of Christ have come, or they're supposed to be the body of Christ, 
And they have taught a doctrine that is false. They have, they've erred from what the Word of God has said. And so instead of dealing with the sin issue, we're going to disregard that. We're going to talk about the love of God. We're going to talk about how that God loves us. And God does love us. But we've got to also understand that this God that loves us so much is a God of judgment because of sin. And so we have to deal with the sin issue. If we are pastors and leaders and we do not deal with sin issue, we are not doing our congregations any favor. If anything, we are just giving them a good gold paved lane to hell. Because we are not dealing with the heart issue and that is the problem and I'm telling somebody today the reason that I preach against sin is because we need revival and I understand that preaching against sin is actually positioning us for revival because when we get convicted of our sins we have this thing called a heart change. My God Almighty. How many of you need a heart change? Sometimes I'm telling you, I need a heart change sometimes. I need God to work in me. I don't need a preacher just to tell me about it. I need the Holy Spirit to hit me right here. And I need Him to hit me hard. Make me fall on my knees and repent of my sins every now and then. That's what I need. Because when I get in this position, I'm in a position for revival. I'm in position for the Spirit of God to come on the third day and the resurrect my spirit. I'm here again for Him to resurrect me. My God, I feel like I could preach that, but i got to hurry. Last point, or next to last. Joseph, I'll say that and it gives me some playing room. Joseph was an anointer. Look at John 19, this is, this is so beautiful. Oh, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly... For fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Christ. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. But Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, y'all remember that guy, right? Also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds worth. Lord have mercy. That's a lot of ointment. That body wasn't stinking. I mean, they poured it on him. A hundred pounds. Can y'all even imagine that? It was a beautiful fragrance. What a wonderful picture of the saints of God. What a beautiful picture of the saints of God. There are people who abound with anointing oil. While there's others that have a surplus of embalming fluid. There are those that anoint with anointing oil. While there's others that like using embalming fluid. We anoint or we embalm with our tongue. Our encouragement or our lack of encouragement raises someone up or it lays them out. Do you hear what I'm telling you? That's why Proverbs said a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness, perverseness in the tongue breaks the spirit. It can tear people down. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love its fruit will eat it. Listen to me. I want somebody to understand something today. I need to know if you're an anointer. Or if you're an embalmer. Because if you are an embalmer, don't talk to me. Because I don't want that on my life. Now if you want to be like Joseph, and you want to anoint me, and you want to bless me, then bring it on honey. But if all you want to do is tear somebody down, I'm going to have to ask you today, they're already dead. 
They don't need more embalming fluid. They're already dead. What they need is somebody to speak life into them. They need somebody that will anoint them with a word from God. They need somebody that will say everything's going to be alright. They need somebody that will say, you know what, if you hold on a little longer, help is on the way. And a matter of fact, I'm not just going to talk about the helps on the way. I'm here Help is here. What can I do for you to help you today? What I'm telling us today is simply this. I want to be an anointer. I want to speak it in the name of Jesus. I want to bless people. I want to speak plans to prosper you. I don't want to sit here and tell you you're going to lose the battle. Because if you follow Jesus, you're not going to lose the battle. You are victorious through Christ more than an overcomer. We need more anointers like Joseph. For the body of Christ. It might be Jesus calling. Point number five. And this is the last one. I promise y'all. Joseph had a spirit. That prepared a place. For the saint and the sinner. To sit together. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Alright. Alright let's do it. Y'all ready? So all of a sudden. let, let, Let me go back to my verse. 2761. And Mary Magdalene was there. And the other Mary was sitting at the two chairs together staring at the tomb. Now, now there's a lot of debate as to who the other Mary is. But I'm going to go with the fact that I believe, upon my research, and also it's a good preaching point, but I'm going to go with the fact that Mary, the other Mary, is not the son of or the mother of Joseph and James. I'm going to go with the fact that it is the mother of Jesus. Because if your son has just been taken down from a cross, Mama, would you be there? Who's going to visit the tomb that afternoon? I don't think it's the mother of Joseph and James. I believe it's the mother of Jesus. And so, Quentin, I want you to get this picture. We got Mary Magdalene that is sitting here that was possessed with seven demons. She is known by the town as the city's prostitute. Boy, what a low life. How could Jesus do anything for her? This woman's come in and she's wanting to wash his feet with her tears and, and dry them with her hair and anoint him with an alibi. What in the world? Who thinks she's worthy of this? You don't let a prostitute do that. She's not even worthy to come into our house. This is the kind of whispers that Mary Magdalene's been hearing from the church. But there's the other Mary. And right beside the prostitute is the woman that the angel said, Woo, Mary, thou art blessed and you are highly favored. For the seed that has been planted inside of you, it is planted by the Holy Ghost. You shall bear forth a son and his name shall be called Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Joseph has created and prepared this place. Where Mary Magdalene and the mother of Jesus 
two bipolar opposite women that have two different histories but look at them as they sit together you understand with me today that the body of Christ has become too lopsided we have picked our clique we have got our group and we understand the ones that deserve to have a seat at the table but that is not the way Joseph saw it and that is not the way Jesus sees it because God says that everyone that will let them come hallelujah we ought not have a group or a clique that we say can fit in this church or come to this church Joseph had it ready where everybody could sit at the table together saint and sinner I've been to churches where the holier than thou were holier than the holy I've been there where the holier than thou even though you were a preacher God's anointing was on your life but they still looked down at you because they didn't think you were holy enough. God forbid a drunkard walk in the back door because if they looked at me that way, oh, how did they look at him? This is the atmosphere that we've created in the church, but God is calling for somebody to beg for the body to change. He's asking for somebody to beg for the body because the saint and the sinner have to sit together again or else we are not fulfilling the great commission of Jesus Christ. If all we're doing is getting our fish in our aquarium and we're just bringing them and we're just preaching a sermon and we're just having another service, we are not doing the great commission. God has called us to bring the sinner to the house of God. Go to the highways, to the hedges. I invited the Christians to come. I invited the people that were spiritual to come. They have failed to come. Go to the highway and to the hedges and you you invite everybody that you see. I don't care what ethnicity they are. I don't care what socioeconomics they have. I don't care. All that I care about is that my house is full. Whether it's a saint or a sinner, I really don't care. And quite frankly, at one point or another, we were all sinners anyhow, right? We're just saved by grace. So, all right, I'm going to close. So what kind of atmosphere do you create? Do people want to be around you? Do people want to be around you? I mean, do they, are you pleasurable to be around? Do people like it when you come around? Or are they like, oh my God, not them again. Have you created an atmosphere where saint and sinner can come together and they can come to you and they can feel comfortable and they can feel fine? As they come to you and they feel safe and they feel like, you know what, I'm protected. They're not going to tear me down. They're not going to beat me down. They're going to edify me. They're going to bless me. What kind of environment have you created? Go on to the piano, my dear sister, as I come to a close. So Joseph of Arimathea, his care for the body of Christ when nobody else is doing it, he did it. He creates a place where those that are holy, those that are of ill repute, even prostitutes, can both come to an atmosphere and find spiritual rest for their souls. Our churches must be houses of worship. Our churches must be a place where we can find rest. And sinners can find rest for the weariness of their souls and the sins that they've been carrying. Too long the church, the body of Christ, has been a showcase for the perfect. And the people that got it together. It's time for the body of Christ to look a little different. I want you to look at Proverbs 22. And I'm going to leave you with this thought. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. <laughs> the prostitute Mary Magdalene and the mother of Jesus. 
they had this one thing in common. The Lord made them both. The preacher and the drunkard on the back pew had this one thing in common. The Lord was the maker of them both. We, the body of Christ, we're here for molesters. We're here for those that have wandered away. We are here, yes, for the hypocrite. We are here for the backslider. We're here for the preacher. We're here for the saint. We're here for the sinner. But let us never act so holy that we forget that God has saved the seat for everybody at our table. There's a pew for everybody in our church. He begged for the body. He understood the urgency of the hour. He added holiness to the body. He put the body in a position for revival. He was an anointer, not an embalmer. And Joseph had a spirit that prepared a place for the saint and the sinner that they could sit together and worship together. How many have got a burden for the body today? Is there anybody like Joseph that will go to the cross? Is there anybody like Joseph that will pray and say, God, we can't leave the church hanging in this dilemma. We can't leave our churches hanging in this situation. Somebody needs to pull the body off the cross. And somebody needs to reevaluate what's been going on in the church. And we need to ask God to revive us again. Just like he did the body of Jesus Christ. He can revive the body of Christ, his church. Let's all stand in the house of God today. My God Almighty. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. There's somebody here today who said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I want you to lift your hand right now. Say, I need the Lord to help me. Thank you, sir. I need the Lord. Thank you, sir. I need the Lord to help me today. I need the Holy Spirit to touch my life today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father, right now in your precious Son, Jesus' name, we pray right now that everyone in this church today Let them know that they have a place in the body. Let them know today. It doesn't matter where they've been. It doesn't matter what they went through. It doesn't matter what they're facing now. There's a place at the table for them. There's a place of blessing. There's a place of restoration. There's a place of healing. There's a place, Father, for them. So today, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to touch everyone in this church. From the back of this wall all the way to the back door or the front door. I'm asking you that this whole place. That we will allow the spirit of revival to rise up in our lives. Whatever we need. We know that on the third day Jesus is resurrected. And we believe that you can resurrect your body as well. God if we've grown cold and indifferent. Forgive us for that. If we've grown lethargic and lazy. Forgive us for that. If we've gotten satisfied with where we are and so content that we really don't care about what's going on anymore. I'm asking you to forgive us for that. I'm asking you to let somebody beg for the body. I'm asking you to let somebody be concerned for the body. We cannot just leave it hanging where it is right now. Somebody's got to do something. Send revival to your people. Send revival to your church. For this, I give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in the name of Jesus.